From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Jeremiah 29, if you've got a Bible, turn to Jeremiah 29. We're going to look at a big chunk there today. Every... Tuesday morning, we have a group that meets here for prayer at 9.30 a.m., and that is open to, to everyone. And just before the Christmas uh, holiday season, I want to say, we were meeting and we were discussing, and to be honest, I can't even remember what the focus was because there's something that really just jumped out. And Brother Sam, I think I saw him at the back there, Sam Fleming, shared from Jeremiah 29, 11, probably one of the most famous verses known, Jeremiah 29, 11. He shared from this verse, and he said something in regards to, I believe that this is what the Lord has for us this year. And when he said that, it jumped out at me. It's like the Spirit of God kind of just halted the whole prayer meeting for me, and my vision and my my mind just kind of got stuck on that, and ever since then, the Lord has been bringing this back to me, and I really believe with, with Sam that God has a word for us in here, and so I spoke with Jody, and I spoke with Pastor Zoe, and I believe that God is speaking to us something for 2023, and so we're going to do today what we've never done in the history of of me being here at least at Parkway, which is about four years, is we're going to name our year today. We're going to name our year with a word that God has for us. And we're going to speak this out over us for 2023 and hopefully, prayerfully, that this will bring direction and vision and emphasis for us as a church. And when I say that, I don't mean the building and I don't mean the leadership and I don't mean the charity organization. I mean the people. Okay. I feel like I got to remind you of that, that when we say church, as much as we say, I'm going to church, the Bible speaks that we are the church. So I speak that to the people. And so this word, this name, I believe is something that's going to bring emphasis for us as a church, as a people, and then also for us as individuals. I really believe. So we're going to come back to this throughout the, the year. So I want to read this, this text for you, Jeremiah 29. We're going to read verse 1, then we're going to skip to verse 4, and we're going to read all the way to the end of 14. So you ready? Are you ready? Look at somebody and say, I am ready. Now look at the other person beside you and say that as well, because maybe they turned and didn't get anybody looking at them. Jeremiah 29, verse 1, it says this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. A little context there for us. Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. I love that. He's like, that's like the Genesis command over again. Fulfill, fill, increase. 
Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And here it is, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, is probably one of the most famous verses we know, next to John 3.16. This verse is on bumper stickers, it's on posters, it's on bookmarks, it's tattooed on bodies. People use it as a life verse, but many don't know the context. And it's so important for us to understand the context of a verse. To truly know the meaning of any verse in the scripture we have to read the context because if we don't know the context, what we often do is we read into the verse what we want it to mean. And sometimes that might be pretty close to what the verse means. But to understand what the Lord is saying to that group of people in that time, who the letter was written to, and then us to us, we need to look at the larger text. You know, my son for Christmas just got this, this new camera, and it's like this kids VTech knockoff GoPro camera. And he's super excited about it. He goes, Dad, Dad, I don't know how to work this. How do we work this? And I say, well, I don't know. I'm, I, this is new to me too. Let's take a look at the instructions. Typical man. Nah, I'll just press buttons. <laughs> have at her. Okay, go ahead. Can't, can't figure it out. Comes back. He says, I can't figure it out. And I said, well, did you look at the instructions? And he picks up the instruction book. And he goes, look at this. How am I going to read all this? And I said, well, just find the part that speaks to the thing you want to learn, and, and let's look at what it says. And we do this with, with Scripture. Know the context. Nah, I just like this verse. This verse speaks to me. It's good. Well, maybe that text and that verse means nothing to what it speaks to you about. And so it's so important that we understand the context. So let's dig up some context for this verse before we kind of speak to what God has for us for Parkway. Jeremiah is a prophet. A prophet was God's spokesperson in the Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament era. In those days, God would speak to a prophet, and the prophet would declare that and proclaim that to the people. In the latter days, today's days, the Spirit has been poured out on all believers, and all sons and daughters can prophesy. Now, that kind of word, I think, today sometimes messes with us a little bit, that word prophecy. Because often when we think of prophecy, or the world even used prophecy, we think of future predictions. Immediately, that's what your mind goes to, a prophet predicts the future, speaks the future. That's not what prophecy really means. Prophecy just means to proclaim. And sometimes that is to proclaim something that God has spoken of in the future. Sometimes that's just proclaim what God speaks in the moment. When you take scripture, God's revealed word, right? And you speak that over your life 
and you speak that scripture, take Jeremiah 29, 11, for example, and you speak that over your life and you speak that over a person, maybe you even look in the mirror and you remind the devil of the scripture, you are prophesying because you're proclaiming God's word. So Jeremiah was a prophet. In those days, God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would speak to the people. He would hear God's word. And he served during the final days of of Israel and the God's people in the land of Judah before they were carried off into exile into Babylon. The Babylonians came in around 586, 87 BCE, and they conquered the land of, of Judah, and they ransacked the temple, they destroyed the temple, and they deported the people back to Babylon. And Jeremiah spoke during the final days of that deportation, and much of the God's people remaining in exile under Babylon. And this book, Jeremiah, that we have today is a collection of his prophetic words, the words that God has spoken to him that he has for the people during that, that time. And in this, this text that we're looking at in chapter 29 is a letter that he wrote to the exiles when they're in Babylon. So you got to imagine that we receive a letter from a prophet spoken from God for us. That's basically what it is. It's a letter for the people. And it's really cool when you look at what he's instructing them to do. I really like the first instruction. It says this, establish your life by doing ordinary things. Build homes, plant gardens, eat the produce, have kids, get married, and give your kids away in marriage. Do life. Do life while in exile. How easy is it for us as people under dire circumstances kind of just give up? you got to imagine being an Israelite, being God's people. Literally, your land has been conquered, and you've been taken to another land. The first thing you're not thinking is, well, I'm going to plant a garden. I'm going to build a home. I'm going to give my daughter away in marriage. That's not really probably what would be on your mind, but God encourages that. He says, do life. Live life. Be there. Be present while you're there. Do everyday things. Secondly, he calls them to seek the prosperity of Babylon while they're there. Calls them to pray and seek for its prosperity, not its fall. He doesn't say pray against it. He doesn't say pray that the leadership shifts and changes and Nebuchadnezzar gets out of there and then, you know, the better kind of king gets in there and then life will go well. He says pray for its prosperity because while you're there and it prospers, you prosper. Now, we should be praying for Canada. We should be praying for the prosperity of Canada. I understand everyone's got opinions about our government and politics and all that. Push that aside. Just pray for the prosperity. Why? Because you live here. <laughs> you live here. And if the land prospers, you prosper. And if it doesn't, trust in God and have hope in him. Right? Trust in him. that He's got you. Finally, he says, ignore those so-called prophets who claim that that exile period is going to be brief. For he has not spoken to them or sent them. He says it won't be brief. Actually, it's going to last 70 years. He actually gives them the timeline. Here's the time. Here's how long this exile is going to last. 70 years of captivity. Think about that. 70 years. That's a lifetime. Some people will die in captivity. Some people will be born and live their existence in exile. 70 years, God says, and then he would fulfill his promise to bring them back to the land. So he says this, verse 10, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 
I love that. I'll come and fulfill my good promise. And then he says this, which brings us to Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God stakes his pledge to fulfill his promise on his purposes and his plan for this people. God anchors himself in himself. There's nothing in life that exists greater than God that he can anchor his promise to than himself. He can't say, I swear to God, I'm coming back. I swear to myself. He anchors himself in himself. He is self-sufficient. You have to understand this about the character and nature of God. There is nothing that God needs. There's nothing that God needs. There's nothing that you can offer God that he needs. He is complete. He is whole. He is self-sufficient. He says, why will I come and fulfill my good promise? Not because of you. That's really hard for us to receive. Not because of you. It's not because while you're there, you listen to me. They were there because of the rebellion. They were there because they continued to rebel and rebel. And so God finally took a wicked nation and he used the wicked nation to judge the rebellious nation. It says, not because of you, because I know the plans I have for you. I've got plans for you. I've got plans for you. And in that, I believe that he calls the people to anchor their hope and their future beyond the exile in him as well. If God has plans for you, I think that you should anchor yourself in his plans for you. So regardless of the circumstance or the situation that comes your way, these people are literally deported into another country. They can say, it's okay. My Lord has promised that he will fulfill his promise of his plans for me. God's got plans for you. That's why I think why Jesus can say later on in the New Testament, do not worry about tomorrow because I have plans for you. I've got plans. I got plans. Plans to prosper. Plans to give you hope. Plans to not harm you, though you're not prospering right now. Like, think about that. I got plans to prosper you. I got plans to see success in your life, though right now it's not that way. And some of you will die during this time. You have to notice about the scriptures. We do this in the West, but the scriptures is always written to a group of people. Most often, it's to a community of people. Even the New Testament, the books of the Bible written to groups of people with the exception of a few letters, and often those letters are to people so as they go encourage other people. This is written to a group of people, not an individual. We, we make it so individualized in Western culture, right? Because in Western culture, we, we live individual lives. We have our own homes, and they're separated by maybe at least four or five feet. In some cases, maybe 12 if you get, if you get a little lucky, depending on where you live, and then maybe a couple acres if you're one of those that's like, I just need acreage between me and the next person. We have walls, and there's, there's buffers by sound because we don't want to. You know, we have time. I don't answer the phone, and I understand all that, but the scriptures weren't written to individual people. He's written to a nation here. I have plans for you, my nation, my people, not my individual, my people. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans of hope, plans... A future. 
And do you know what that does? This is what I believe that does. When God speaks of hope and future, I believe a fulfilled promise of hope and future enables them to trust him in the present. It's very difficult for us to trust God with our present. It's easy for us to trust God for eternity, right? Because eternity seems a little abstract, a little hard to imagine, a little hard to wrap our head around. It's so distant, so far off, except for maybe some of us. We're, we're getting closer in age. For some of us, it's really hard to trust him with our present. Future, not, not a big deal, but present. We can trust him with eternity. Oh, yeah, I'm eternally saved, we say. I'm going to heaven, and then we're freaking out about the present. My forever, if I have a rope here that continued to go, let's just say this entire stage width. Can we get like the camera to zoom out on the wider stage for those online? I don't know if we can do that. Yeah, there we go. So imagine this stage width is eternity, right? This is the blip. This is the blip that you're on. That little screw right there. You can't see it, but I can see it. That's the blip of your life. And you're like, yeah, I trust you with forever. Ongoing, never-ending, forever. I trust you with that. <gasps> but this little portion so hard. Isn't that true? But when we anchor ourselves to the promise of a future and a future hope, then we can trust him with the present. I can trust God and I can endure. My endurance increases because of the future reality of a fulfilled promise. So it doesn't matter what that screw brings because I got all these other screws here. I'm just using, this. there's a screw on the ground for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about. I can trust God. So this text, Jeremiah 29, 11, is a promise from God to a people group living in exile in Babylon. Question then is, can we hold to this as something for us today? Can we hold to this as something for us today? Is this a promise also for us? This is spoken to them, but can it be true for us? And I want to say yes. So let's zoom out from this context to the larger context of the biblical story, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. What is God's purpose? What is God's plan? God's plan is to bring all peoples, every nation, every tribe, all mankind, not just Israel, all mankind to himself. That's been the plan since the moment mankind fell. That's been the plan since he chose Abraham. That's been the plan since he chose Israel, to bring all nations unto himself. His plan is to redeem mankind, to save ultimately mankind from sin once and for all, to eradicate all evil, to restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden and re renew all of life in the new heavens and the new earth that's promised in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That's the, that's the arc and narrative of the, of the whole biblical story. The plan has, that God has for us is a future age in which all God's promises are fulfilled. So, of course, this speaks to us today. Because just like he had a plan for the Israelites, God has a plan for us. Just like he had a plan for them in that moment, that 70 years, he's got a plan for us. Not just Parkway Church, but all people, all believers, all people, mankind. And in the meantime, while we await the promise of future, in the meantime, when we await the hope fulfilled, like the people in Jeremiah 29, 11, we are to live as exiles and strangers on this earth. The apostle Peter, when urging God's people, the church, to abstain from sin, he calls them foreigners 
and exiles on earth. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Paul the apostle to the Philippian church says that our citizenship is in heaven. Not in Israel. Not in Canada. In heaven. We are to live in a similar fashion as the Israelites in Jeremiah, as though we are exiles in a country not our own, but as though we are exiles in a country with God by our side. Emmanuel, God with us. So this place, though it's home, Canada, Corona, St. Clair Township, Sarnia, Lambton County, your house, your street number, that's home. We have life here. We have jobs we have passions, we have hobbies, we have gardens, we marry and have kids and we give kids in marriage, all the things that he calls them to do. This isn't really our home. It's home, but it's not really our home. It's home for now, but it's a temporary passing place, God says, basically, for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. This is somewhat of a foreign land. This is somewhat of a foreign land until Christ returns and fulfills his good promise. Do you know, I think when you look at what God spoke to the Israelites and he said, increase, do not decrease. Increase, fill Babylon with Israelites. In the same manner, we have a mandate on our shoulders as a church to make disciples of all nations, Right? The mandate originally in the garden was to fill the earth, populate the earth. The Israelites in Babylon, populate Babylon. The church in the New Testament, fill the earth with disciples of Christ. Populate the earth with disciples of Christ. Do not decrease, increase. If we could, and I know it's really hard in the day-to-day, if we could understand that our role really right now in the grand scheme of eternity is to, is to share the gospel and to be a light, that would take away most of our anxiety, fear, and worry. Because we'd say, well, it doesn't matter because in the grand scheme of eternity, I just need to pop, I need to get as many disciples here so I can get many more there. I need to get many people understanding, knowing, introduced to the gospel in such a way that the spirit can do something in their heart here on this earth in my 70 years of life or shorter, or longer, depending, who knows, so that eternity has more on the right side. That's, that's the mandate throughout, throughout Scripture. Fill, fill, populate, populate now to the church. He's not saying go and have lots of babies, you know, increase and, and have lots of kids. Like maybe that's your own mandate. That's fine. God says to you, I want you to have lots of children. You know, we thought we were done at three. God says, no, 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 I have a fourth. You know, interesting story. Jody used to say, I think there's a fourth. I said, don't speak that. <laughs> there was a fourth. The fourth came. We have four children. We're done. It's done. We are no longer, the population, we are, we are done, Lord. <laughs> never say never, right? But it's to populate the earth with disciples of Christ. Like the, Israel, or like the Israelites, we are to be as exiles living in a land that is home, but not really home, because our country is heaven. Our country is eternity. Our country is the renewed earth. 
understood within the larger context of the Bible, this scripture still speaks to us today. I'm going to invite Matt. You can come up here. So like them, until he returns, we do life. We do life. We build homes, and we plant gardens, and we eat the produce, and we, we do everyday things. That's just part of being a created person of God. And just so you know, when you do those things, when you just exist as you are to exist as a human, you bring glory to God. The fact that I'm breathing and talking brings glory to God. Why? Because he created breath and the ability to speak. When you just do everyday things and you do it unto the glory of God, God gets glory. Isn't that good? So praise God for that. Do life. Secondly, he says, pray. Pray. Pray for the land. Pray for the kings. Pray for the rulers. Pray for the nation. Pray. Seek the welfare of the land. Like them, avoid ignorant prophets who make empty claims. And the best way to understand a prophetic word over your life is to watch and see if it's fulfilled. Sometimes you can get a little spooked while someone says, I got a word for you. Just, just okay, sure, take it. Put it there. If it fulfills, thank Jesus. If it doesn't, maybe you're thanking Jesus too. I don't know. I don't, it depends on the word. Just trust him. In Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13, God says that on the day he fulfills his promise, the people will come and pray to him and he will listen and they will seek him and they will find him when they seek him with all their heart. Jesus said it this way to us today, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. So this is still true for us today. He still says to us, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And let me just say as a sidebar, his fulfillment of his plans for you while on this earth is contingent on your faithfulness and obedience. You can't live a sinful life outside of the will of God and say, well, God's got plans for me. God's got plans of prosperity for me. In, in his will, yes, when you're walking in his will, yes. And just so you know, doesn't mean that prosperity doesn't mean that life will be successful financially for you, economically, physically, Sometimes we stake that. Well, God says I'm going to prosper. Sometimes prosperity is holding on and suffering. Sometimes prospering is like Matt said earlier about Job, who lost it all and did not rebuke the Lord. His wife said, curse God and die. He says, no, no, no. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's prospering in the midst of suffering and hardship. So let's bring this to Parkway. What is God specifically speaking over this house? I believe and, and we believe that God has given us a word for this year, for 2023, and it's one of hope. And it's one of future. It's the word promise. The word promise. I believe that God is speaking over this house, this word, this year. Promise. Not empty promises anchored in trivial and temporary things. Not the kind that we say, I promise I'll do it. I promise I'll be there. I promise this time. But a promise anchored in the plans that God has for Parkway Church. 
And so I really believe this year that God is gonna speak new promises to you as individual people. Things that you can hold on to from the Lord for your life, for your family, for your job, for your workplace, for your kids. I believe he's gonna speak new promises to you, plans of health and hope and deliverance. I believe he's gonna fulfill some promises this year, some answers to prayer, things that you've been praying for for a long time, things we've been praying for. I believe that God is gonna fulfill a promise this year. I truly do. I don't say this flippantly. I don't say this arbitrarily. This is not just on a whim for a nice New Year's message. If you know me, I don't do that stuff. Ask Jody. I'm not just saying this because it sounds really nice coming out of the microphone and it stirs your heart for Sunday and we're gonna forget about this. I really believe. I'm staking this in the word that God spoke to a few people, to our hearts, that this is what God has for us, 2023. I'm staking this in God's word right now. And so I speak this over you. I speak hope. I speak hope where you lack hope. For those of you in despair, uncertainty, I speak hope. Hope that holds on to something more greater than your circumstance and yourself. I speak future. I speak God's plan and purpose and future over your life where you can't see a way, where you can't see how God's going to come through. Imagine you being an Israelite in this moment in exile. You've literally, your home may have been burnt to the ground. And an army dragged you and your kids, maybe even separated you and brought you into another nation. And God says, I got a future for you. How hard would it for you to see that? But I speak future over you. I speak vision for your future. And I speak this over Parkway. I speak this over this church for 2023, the year of promise. This will be a year of promise for us at Parkway Church. We've never done this before. I've seen people do this before, and I've always been like, well, that's really neat. So until the Lord gives us something, and I've never felt it, until Sam shared that scripture verse. And Sam said that this, I feel like God's gotten something for us here, and the Spirit quickened in me that day. My dad used to call it getting a witness. I just felt like a, the Lord. Are you with me? Year of promise. I speak this over this house. So be patient as you live in exile. Be patient as you approach 2023. Look to the promise keeper. Would you stand? Here's what I want us to do is, I was going to pray and then we were in practice today. And often when we are preparing the songs for worship, we might talk about what the, the series is or the sermon is and kind of gear songs in such a way that it kind of all speaks to the same thing. But we didn't this morning, but as we're going over the songs, we, we sung a song and the Spirit's just like, this is it. And it was the song, Yes and Amen. And so I've asked Matt if Matt could lead us in that song one more time. And I just want us to believe in the words that we're singing. I will rest in your promises, my confidence. All your promises are yes and amen. And think about the things God has spoken over you. Think about the promises he's given you as an individual. Think about the promises he's given the church. And I want to encourage you today, don't just do this because this is what we're doing. Don't just do this because I asked you to stand and it said that Matt's going to lead us in this song. Like really 
draw near to the Lord. The Bible says, as you draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to you. Because maybe this moment is going to be an anchor moment for you and God's going to speak a promise for you. If you clear your mind, you clear your attention. So you can, you can find a spot over here. We're just going to seek the Lord through this song. You can, you can step out of your chair. You can stand at the back. Just don't clog the doorways. If, if staying where you are and doing what you, you normally do in worship causes you to remain in a comfort, safe space, and often in those places you don't hear from God or you don't feel encouraged to dig a little deeper, then get out of that space. Does that make sense? Because I want us to, as a corporate body, as we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting today, and as we declare this is the year of promise over this house, let us seek the Lord together as a church. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Father, we just commit right this moment as we seek you as a body through this song. Would you, God, just speak over each individual, every person, God, within the sound of my voice, even those online today, God, those listening later on. We pray that you'd speak the promises you have for us. As a church body, not just as individuals, as a church body, this year of promise, this one of hope and future, God, speak to us as we draw near to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this out, this song now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.